Playing the best ball of his career, just the efficiency, the the sense of urgency, and to do it, you know, in that in that environment where, all right, again, I got a superstar in Kyrie, I got a superstar in KD. I'm in New York City, and yet I'm still that superstar that you guys knew of me to be back in H Town. It's like, come on, you got to give that brother credit. But um. Yeah, everything has come together for the Nets just right, and they looking—you know—they looking exactly like the team I expected to, to 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 make their way to the finals this year. Honestly. Opulent Inventory, our proud partners here on the show. Now you can finally have the Apple product times the Apple guys. That's right, from AirPods to iPhones to MacBooks to Apple Watches to trade-ins and much more. Now you can have the Apple product of your dreams. Promo code podcast gets you 20% off. That's right, 20% off on any Apple item. Visit Opulent Inventory, Nash and Guardian. Those are great guys on all social media platforms, and on Instagram. Now, let's head back to the show. We are back here inside Studio Z, the Sebi Podcast Radio Show, streaming to you guys on WNSC Radio. Only heard here on WNSC Radio, streaming in 16 different platforms worldwide. Gorgeous evening. Very, very, very nice, man. (laughs) I can't complain about the weather out here, Mike. 77 degrees, Mike. Light breeze, sunny, very gorgeous evening. You can hear a pin drop if you're over here. I'm not sure I can say the same where you're up there. Yeah, way to rub it in on us, Sebi. Just, just yeah, all us, all us people up north. Way to just rub, rub that good weather, that good, those good vibes into us like that. But no, I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you, Sebi. The weather's actually gotten a lot better up here. You know, you, it's not, it's not as cold as it used to be, but it's, you know, it's, it's been in the mid fifties for for the last, you know, week or so. It's been, a, we, you could tell we're gearing up for spring. And definitely, summer. definitely, like the, the, the Spanish people say, La Primavera is coming really, really soon. How are you doing today, my man? How are you doing? How, how's it been, man? All good, all good, brother. Everything's good, man. It's, it was a great day today, and uh, and to cap it over the show is is how I wanted to be. We got a we got a special one in store. Absolutely, for us absolutely. I know I'm doing very well, my man. Anytime that I can go to sleep with no worries, knowing that I made some good shuckles or some good money, uh, betting on some good NBA action, it's always a good night like that. So uh, uh, I'm I'm very excited about that, and. Uh, we get a chance to wrap things up in the evening with what we do best. Yeah, no doubt, man. This is, this is what we love to do, so I'm excited for it. Let's get Absolutely. It. Obviously, the biggest talks is the NBA and, of course, college basketball as we gear up, Mike, for March Madness. But I wanted to take off some time and start our our um, show today just to kind of give some reverence. Um, I, I realized that last week we, we we forgot to bring this topic up, and I wanted to start the show about this and 
and that's that's mental health. I think mental health is a really big thing um in 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 the in what we do. In fact, one of our feature guests that's coming on um is Stacy Hickman. She specializes in that. Um she's worked with a lot of her agents and a lot of uh players that she's done the likes of Juju Smith-Schuster, Ezekiel Elliott, Dak Prescott. She teaches mental health in holistics and does a lot of yoga stuff with some of those athletes so a future guest um to definitely down the line be <clears throat> on the lookout for but i wanted to start off with mental health mike because um we didn't touch on vincent jackson and and what he meant as a player and the travesty that happened mm -hmm. to him when he 38 years old vincent jackson uh you know multi pro bowler we know some of his great years and for the formerly known as the San Diego Chargers. And then he wrapped things up with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, a travesty. Um, and, and I wanted to start off our show with this, Mike, because sometimes, you know, as close as we are and, and as much that we always talk um, as buddies and, and as really good partners, we, we don't know what's really going on in our personal life. You know, it's, it's, it's that ability for us to be able to check in, whether that be peers, whether that be with your family relatives whoever it is um i think that is 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 important enough for us to 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 do now again there's still investigation going on we really don't know the ins and outs of what really happened with, with vincent but um i i just wanted to obviously show condolences for the vincent for the jackson family of course and also um just to use this as as an outlet to help those that not we don't really know what what the lives of people are really going on behind closed doors. You know what I'm saying? Especially with us, they, they see, they hear the podcast, they hear the episodes, they hear, you know, um, great content, but you know, once the, the content is all done, they, everybody go about their ways and they don't know what really, um, what we're going through internally. And so I just wanted to take a moment and, and definitely share that. That's important. You know, um, like you said, condolences out to the Jackson family, all his friends and loved ones. That was an unfortunate situation. You know, that's somebody that we grew up watching uh, throughout their career, you know, with San Diego, Phillip Rivers and those guys. And then you can go on to Tampa Bay and, you know, teams like that. He was a, he was a very he good football like player. One of those physical, brutal receivers that, that got the job done on both ends, blocking, receiving deep balls down the field. He was he was a, he was a very uh, electric and very fun to watch football player. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate that this, this situation occurred. But you're right, mental health mental health is a, a huge key because, you know, a lot of people, you know, we're going through stuff internally but not being able to let it out externally. And and, and I wouldn't say being not being able to, not comfortable in certain situations or not having a, a legitimate outlet to be able to talk about some of the, the traumas and the PTSD that we might go through on an everyday basis, that's that's vital and that's important. And sometimes it's not even about talking to somebody. Sometimes it can come in the form of writing it out or just finding writing it out in a journal. But finding whatever it is your way in order to get that get get whatever it is that you got boiling inside, get it out of your system because it's better out than in. And the more you bottle it up, the more negative thoughts and negative energy comes around you. So I definitely understand the 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 importance and the 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 uh, how how heightened mental health is especially during times like this when people are going through so much so much different stuff so you know it's, it's definitely serious hug your loved ones keep your loved ones close uh keep an eye on them and definitely you know have conversations with them and give it and give people especially people you love and you're close to an outlet for them to be comfortable enough to come to you about some of the most traumatic uh experiences that they may have had because especially in our community you know our, our, our people we we go through a lot so 
it's, it's, it's vital for everybody, but especially for yes. our folks. And, and it's also education and conversations, Mike, as well. Um, being able to, yeah. um, you know, create platforms and, and, and not only that, <clears throat> just, you know, being able to create forums where people can come and talk to me as well. I think that's also a huge, a huge, huge thing. Um, so our condolences uh, from the Sebi podcast family to the Jacksons there for sure. As we open up our show, Mike, and we start off with the NBA, a lot of things that's been going on. Obviously, we're gearing up for All-Star Weekend. Different this year. All of the competition and all the activities are just one day. Kicks off at 5 Eastern on Sunday afternoon. Skills challenge, uh, three-point contest, and of course, we round that up with the dunk contest just before we have the actual All-Star game itself. Um, so right. we're gearing up for that. But a lot of things has been led up as well. The resurgence of the New York Knicks. It's crazy, Mike. I know you're in New York, but what's what's funny to me is you you got New York hat is the biggest market in America. You've got in baseball, you've got the Mets and the Yankees. In in football, you've got the Bills, the Jets, and the Giants, and which is crazy. Um, in hockey, you've got the Rangers, and then you got the Islanders. And but in basketball, you've got the Nets and the Knicks. But you know what's crazy, Mike? If you're a New Yorker, only a New Yorker would know this. You're, if there's a if you are a Bills fan, a Jets fan, or a, a Giants fan, there's always beef of seniority, like who really runs New York. The same thing applies with the Islanders in hockey, along with the Rangers. The same thing applies with the Mets and the Yankees. You're you're not a real New Yorker if you're if you're a Mets fan. It's it's all New York. But for some reason, the vibe in New York, as great as the Nets are right now, when you are a New Yorker and you are a Knicks fan, and the Knicks are actually really good and they're relevant, it's just a totally different vibe, Mike. It's electric. That's where all of the beef and, and all of the enemies come together because the Knicks are, are, are relevant again, and the Ricks are doing really good. And for them to be bouncing around the fourth or fifth scene in the Eastern Conference for a team that had no dire aspirations even making the playoffs – Thibodeau is not only the runaway coach of the year, Mike, but for what the Knicks are doing right now, New York is 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 starting to buy in. No, they're they're definitely buying in, and 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 you know this is a step in the right direction for them. You know, as I, I I like what I'm seeing from them. Not only um you know sharing the ball and you know the collection of players that they have offensively, but defensively as well. Right, they are stingy in the defensive end. Very stingy. I mean, we know Tom Thibodeau hangs his hat on defense, and that's something that you know he is he 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 holds in high regard, and that's a high standard that you have to follow on that team. If you're coached by him, but um, I never knew that they would be this stout and this physical defensively early on. But when you think about the front line players that they have of Nerlens Noel, Julius Randle, and those guys in the paint with Mitchell Robinson out right now with injury, but when he comes back, think about the combination of that front line and just the, the depth that they have in the paint along with the perimeter guys that they have that, that can uh, that can make some things happen as well. So this this team is uh is a young up and coming team. Uh they they have nice pieces on nice pieces on it. And not only that, you know, I, I heard uh Pete Pete Rosenberg and those guys on the on the radio yesterday say that um you know a lot of people are, are skeptical about this Knicks run that they're on right now seven and three in their last ten games because of the competition that they've beaten and things of that sort. Well you gotta understand this is a Knicks team that won fifteen right. games last year. And they're already at 18 before All-Star break. They're moving in the right direction. It's like, it's, it's weird. Sometimes, you know, people get so caught up in the fact that you got to either be very great, elite, or you got to, or you're, you're the worst team in basketball. 
And the Knicks, they're neither one. They're right there somewhere in the middle trying to find their way, building the future, taking that step in the right direction. And right now, that's all you can ask for. This is not a championship team. This is not an elite team. This is not even a great team. This is a good team that plays together. They play hard, and they, and they, and they have a collection of players that know how to get the job done together. And um, and you, you see a cohesive unit when you go out there on the court. We'll see how long they they this can last because they have a, a tough stretch coming out of All Star break. So uh, I'm interested to see how they how they start off those first ten games or so. But as of right now, you have to be impressed with what you're seeing from the Knicks. And and Sebi, I will say this: the buzz out here from Knicks fans in New York City out here in the whole tri-state is heavy. They are happy for yeah, them. absolutely. New York is just different when the Knicks are relevant and they get after it, Mike. They absolutely get after it defensively. Second in the NBA behind the Lakers, of course, but in defensive efficiency. But they lock you down. But what's what's impressive, Mike, is they're number one against points allowed. So I mean, when you play in New York, oh, yeah. especially in the Garden, I mean, <laughs> if if you at least get to one hundred and five, get to. Uh, the 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 105s and up, but they just really get after. It. And one thing you can never never question about Thibodeau teams, man, effort. They 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 you can never question that about Tom Thibodeau teams. And the Knicks right now are doing very nice. And can I petition for this, Mike? I I I agree. I I think that we all can agree that Lamelo Ball is the is should be the leading candidate for Rookie of the Year. But can 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 Emmanuel quickly get this right, vote? Right. Can can Emmanuel quickly can no, quickly get some votes, right? We, let's let's think about some of the great uh, uh, rookies that we have. Wiseman has been banged up. Uh, Ant Man from the Timberwolves, Anthony Edwards, he's been relatively, you know, finding his role here and there. Lamelo has been special, but quickly, you want to talk about a, a, a gem? You know, like he came out of nowhere. I, I think that this guy should definitely be getting at least some votes uh, for a rookie of the year. Yeah, he definitely should. Emmanuel quickly has been playing with basketball, and he's starting to get the recognition he deserves now because the Knicks are winning at that rate. You know, he was putting up those numbers, and he's actually been playing very well much for, for most of the season. Um, but, but you know, now that they're winning, you're starting to see him finally get the buzz he deserves. And rightfully so. You know, uh, quickly is one of those guys. He's a three-dimensional. He's a three-level scorer. Uh, the, I don't know if the Knicks anticipated he would be this good, but uh, he's he's playing some very good basketball right now. He's scoring at a at a nice clip. Um, he he can be a little bit more consistent, but at the same time, I do like what I'm seeing with the flashy plays and things of that nature. And he's just he's just fun to watch. He really is an entertaining scorer, and uh, he deserves to be in the conversation. Lamelo Ball is my leading candidate right now as well, but Emmanuel quickly, depending on how the season finishes out, is definitely making a case for himself. Yeah, he's absolutely. Both Charlotte and the Knicks are in contention as it stands for the playoffs. Uh, right now. And speaking of Charlotte, Mike, they've been another impressive team. If I were to tell you and you were Michael Jordan, um, you've got great mix with veteran and youth. Your veterans are Gordon Hayward, Cody Zeller. Uh, you've got Terry Rozier and you also got guys like um, Devontae Graham, but you're young, you're youthful guys. You've got LaMelo Ball. You've got guys like P.J. Washington, Mikael Bridges, excuse me, Miles Bridges. Um, in fact, LaMelo and Bridges already have a nickname for their lobs, Mike. It's Airbnb. So I, I like the makeup of this team. You've got veteran and youth. And <laughs> I think not only LaMelo Ball has kind of bought into this, but Michael Jordan might, might, might have finally done something pretty good as an executive, Mike. <laughs> it's funny we say that years and years after, after you know, he, he, he finally took over the job. 
uh, in, the, uh, in the in the late in the late two thousand. But um, man, it's uh, <laughs> it's interesting what you're saying from Charlotte, man, because this is a, you know, that their record is you know a game under five hundred. But at the same time, man, when you watch these guys on the court, they just they play they play collectively, man, and you're starting to see the guys. You know what we're gonna get from Gordon Hayward. We're impressed by what we're seeing from him, and you know, coming back from that injury, the confidence is there. Terry Rozier has taken his game to another Malik level. Malik Monk, really too, Mike. We know what we're getting from Lamelo Ball. Malik Monk is 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 really turning into that guy, especially in the clutch with them. They like to go to Malik Monk in the clutch, close games out. P.J. Washington. I mean, I man, this guy's this guy's making plays. He had a forty-two point game against the Sacramento Kings the other day. When they came, Sebi, they were down eight points. In a minute span, Mike. Yep. They were down eight points with a minute. And came back and won. And came back and won. Like this, but that's not the first time that they've had a crazy comeback within the last minute and a half or so when they were down down by a lot. I mean, this team never quits. They 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 play all four quarters and they they and when when they do that, they find they they find ways to get it done late in the fourth quarter on these comebacks. This is a, a resilient team, a fun team to watch, and a team that's playing very collective. And I thought the I'm, I'm thinking that Rozier, Ball, Hayward, because of the touches that they need and, and was only one basketball, that it could be a, 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 a situation where they're getting in each other's way. I don't see that in uh, Charlotte. These guys are sharing the basketball. These guys are, are having fun together. And offensively, they look like a, a, a little a little bit of a juggernaut right now. And um, I like what I'm seeing in Charlotte. Uh, defensively, if they can continue this in the second half, then they can they can potentially make the playoffs and, 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 really, and really keep it going, like, all the way. But... Right now, I love what I'm seeing from Charlotte, especially yeah, absolutely there for sure. Something that really stood out that that Phoenix game in Phoenix, right? Uh, uh the, their ability to um be able to claw back and 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 come back. And you said it, Mike. This team has their they're just relentless. They have this resiliency in them. They they stay persistent, and when they hang around in fourth quarters, it, for some reason, you know, like just Charlotte magic is, is starting to happen. They've got this like magic potion come fourth quarter that they can just have that belief that they can come back in any game. And we saw that in uh, the Phoenix um, comeback there for sure. So high hopes for the Knicks and Charlotte. I would say those two teams, Mike, as in terms of their youth, definitely has, uh, um, you know, obviously their franchise is buzzing, but the future is bright for those, those two franchises in particular. And, and speaking of the Knicks, Mike, it, there's a little quandary here because of the evolution of Randall quickly. That's that Mitchell Robinson is now New York, a desired location for marquee free agents to come because New York is going to sell itself. Obviously the free agents are going to want to be in the Mecca in the garden, but is it worth trading some of these young assets uh, and to, to kind of get a marquee piece like that? Yes, it is. And, uh, this is Neil, like you in and of itself, it's going to sell itself. But when you have that product on the court and you have those guys, you see those guys playing hard and you see the, the results coming from there and, you, you know, you see how how, dumb, how dominant they can be if you if you and another superstar were to, were to come to the team and add your flavor to the mix. You definitely see the potential of this team, especially under Tibbs. These guys have bought into what Tibbs has bought into this system. They, they bought into the mindset and the idea of what he's trying to bring to the table. And you see it on the court. Um collectively and so with another superstar with another couple of couple of pieces this team can go from a, a playoff team to a, a championship contender within the next few years and with Leon Rose at the helm this is the position that the Knicks wanted to be in and moving forward uh, as a Knicks fan 
uh, you have to be excited. Absolutely, for what you're they're right for now sure the Knicks City. have the second highest cap room going into this summer. Potentially, can get two max deals. We'll see what happens this upcoming summer. We talked about Phoenix a little bit, and we should talk about them since February first. Mike, hottest team in the NBA, thirteen and three. Um, in that time span, Devin Booker has been a machine. I mean, the guy is just a, a certified bucket. And 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 Monty Williams, his coach, Mike said said it best. He said, "It's a gift." to be able to sit on the sidelines and just see how how this guy can just score the basketball at will. It's 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 it's, it's masterful. It's a piece of art. Um the leadership of Chris Paul, we know what he's been with the development of Aiton and Booker and Mike, their top four in defense, something you never talk about Phoenix Suns team even to the days of Steve Nash. And not only that, Mike, um they're second in the West. I think Monty Williams has done a great job, but this is a team. This is a team, Mike. I think it's kind of like this, you know, like if you're in Robin Hood, yes, the Suns aren't really a title contending team, but I'm buying stocks. I'm buying stocks because there's something there, Mike. Yeah, no, it is. It is definitely something there. And like you said, bringing Chris Paul along was one of the best things that they did this at this offseason that they could do because not only was it a vital piece from, from a leadership perspective and it gives you a, an upgraded point guard, but it also learned and it also made Devin Booker want to stay in, in Phoenix. And uh, it's just, ever since then, it's been uh, it's been tremendous watching those guys work, watching, um, you know, t- take turns and, and everybody gets out of their way and just lets their game flow. This is a this is a fun team to watch. This Phoenix team is is interesting because you got the combination of Devin Booker on the outside, DeAndre Ayton on the inside, who's really who's showing great upside. But you need, but then Chris Paul makes his makes plays, and then you just got you got so many different players on this team that that come together and 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 then they they really get after it. So Phoenix is playing great basketball right now. They're having one of those stretches, uh, those dominant stretches where they're finding ways Absolutely. to win ball games at a high level. Um, yes, they are there for sure. Um, let's focus on the LA teams, the Clippers and the Lakers. Um, obviously, we know what what type of you know force that both of those teams um give, but they're tough stretches, right? The Lakers, um, before this two game winning streak that they've well, they've lost five of their last seven, but they did win two straight in that span. And also the Clippers in the East Coast road trip, tough losses in Milwaukee and in Boston. Um, the, the Clippers and the Lakers, I, I think that they'll probably be, be there just because they're veteran leadership and they've been there and done that in the postseason. But tough sledding thus far um, for those two teams. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the Lakers, ever since, you know, Anthony Davis has went out, they've taken that hit offensively and defensively. Outside of LeBron James, they they struggle to find to generate offense. And, um, you know, a lot of that has to do with the depth that they currently have on their roster right now. And uh, the the lack of uh, consistent scoring outside of their dominant duo. So the Lakers are going through one of those stretches right now, where you know they they come into the season as the defending champions. They're going to get every team's best shot. But when you're undermanned, uh, teams are, are gunning for you, and they're going to come after you. And this is one of those stretches that the Lakers are going through right now. I assume that I I assume that they'll be fine once they once they get fully healthy. Everybody gets fine, gets acclimated after All Star break, some rest. The Lakers will be fine. The Clippers, the Clippers have been playing good ball. Uh, Kawhi Leonard was out for the game against the the, the Celtics the other day, or oh, last night, excuse me. And uh, they they still they still hung tough against Boston uh, and and made it a ball game. But you're right, the Clippers they haven't um, they 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 they're, they're one of they one of those situations for the Clippers where they lost some some tough teams some tough games against some tough teams on the East Coast road trip. And right now they're just they're, they're just they're just going through one of those stretches. I mean, you know, it's a seventy-two game season. All these games back and forth. 
uh, it's, it's, it's only right that at some point in time you're going to go through one of those stretches where you have some lapses. So the Clippers will find their remote and they'll be back. They're too good of a team to let this continue past all-star break. So I see, I see them shaping back in. Absolutely. Mike, the, the, the Clippers number one in the NBA in attempts on threes and number one in makes <laughs> high percentage. They shoot a high percentage. Yep. Um, Ty Lue's system is definitely getting great looks for those guys. Um, in the Boston game, they made about 17 of them. So, they are playing very, very, very well um, there for sure. Other big teams, um, big news, obviously, the, the Jazz and the Sixers played tonight. Uh, the battle of top seeds in both conferences, actually. Um, the, the, obviously, the, the Sixers pulled that off in overtime. Donovan Mitchell uh, being oh, yeah. actually sent back to the locker room to actually two technicals um, late in that ball game. Um, just calls that he he felt that were non-calls um, there as well. But Tobias Harris, huge Mike in that overtime. 11 of his 22, that's half of his points in that OT. Um, so I, I think we, we, we learn a lot from these two top-seeded teams in both of their conferences. Yeah, yeah that was a great game because, um, like you said, the, the two top teams in the conferences, uh, the way they're playing right now, you got the uh, potential MVP in Joel Embiid. And then you got those guys in Utah with the with the best record in the league right now. I mean, that was a bomb burn. That was a great basketball game. Utah had beat Philly earlier in the season when they played them in Utah. So it, it felt natural. It felt right that Philly was going to get them on their home turf. It took overtime to get it. A collective effort from the guys. Joel Embiid once again proved why he's the leading candidate, in my opinion, for MVP this year because the eye test matches up with everything that you're seeing. Uh, with the skill set and the dominance. I mean, this guy is, is taking over the league right now by storm on all levels, points scored, rebounding basketball at, a, at an elite level, uh, the, defending the rim. This guy is just, he's just he's playing at a dominant level, playing at, at, the, at that potential that we, we saw, we, we, we thought he could get to early on in his career. And watching him progress is great for Philly and it's great for their, for their progress. But uh, another loss for Utah is one of those slides that they're going through right now. They'll be fine in the long stretch. It's just, yeah, uh, just yeah, a tough absolutely. Right absolutely there for sure. Any last remarks or any last thoughts as we wind down this segment and approach the next? Yeah, it's uh, a lot. As most of these teams, you know, finish the, the, the latter part of the first part of the season before All-Star break, man, we just got to say it's been very entertaining so far in the NBA. A lot of great games, a lot of close games, a lot of competitive uh, battles, a lot of uh, of elite skill set on display on every given night, and and I'm I'm just looking forward to the intensity being heightened up even more going yep, into the second half there of for basketball. Sure. A lot of basketball to be talked about, but the focus and the media world will be in Atlanta for the All Star Game this season, uh, this weekend. Excuse me, um, for the actually the 79th Mike annual All Star Game. It's crazy that we're already way, 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 way up there. Um, for sure. But when we come back, Mike, don't go anywhere. It's probably a very special, special edition of the Sebi Podcast Show because our next guest, a very, very special one we're excited to show you about. It's funny how we can mesh pop culture and sports. We'll show you how next. The Sebi Podcast Radio Show. There's no other place to listen to it but only WNSC Radio.
And we are back here for our second segment here on the Sebi Podcast Radio Show, streaming in 16 different platforms worldwide. Our featured guest tonight, Mr. Arden, the CEO of Foresight, and also one of the great contributors for uh, FanDuel, as it stands right now. Arden, it's a pleasure to have you on, my man. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be to be on your podcast, to be on your show. I've seen it quite a bit through Mike. I've seen how you guys have been cooking up, and I'm excited to help you guys cook something up tonight. Well, that's nice. That Actually, Mike, people think that we're doing something. That, 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 that makes sense. <laughs> no, it, makes it, it, it definitely makes you feel good, don't it, brother? Absolutely. It absolutely does. A lot of great things um, that uh, obviously that I've heard that you've been doing for the community and for the culture itself. Uh, just kind of give us a brief overview of what you've, of you've done. Yeah, man. So, you know, pretty much through through Medium, I've been able to really morph into uh, a multimedia content creator in both sports and and uh, and music. You know, for me, I'm, I'm 27, but I've gone on 10 years of working in the game and I've been independent for a while. And on the sports side of things, I was able to launch um, AST, which is short for Art and Sports Talk and make a hub that covers high school, college, and professional sports throughout the tri-state and, and then nationally. And then I was able to use my platform, in which I worked very hard to build into a multi-million view platform to get bigger opportunities. So I've been able to contribute uh, at SB Nation, Slam Magazine, USA Today. Um, and now I'm an on-there talent for FanDuel. And then on the music side of things, I'm the founder and CEO of Foresight, a hip-hop entertainment company that's proud to be from Westchester County, New York, the 914, where we know we have this very growing and uh, promising network that creates a lot of dope talent that features upcoming talent from the area, but also covers the culture uh, very responsibly, while also recently launching a record label, you know, Foresight Music, in which we're releasing original projects that are up for streaming. We're doing weekly playlists on the big streaming platforms, and that's really me in a nutshell, man. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 pretty awesome. Pretty awesome that you, you you're able to do and kind of blend some of those things. I've always said that it's just funny because um, you date back to Michael before MJ uh, got into the scene in the '90s. There wasn't really celebrities or hip hop artists or cultures uh, coming in until Mike came in the game. Then you saw guys like Tupac, Ice Cube. You saw Biggie. Uh, you, you saw guys like. Uh, um, you know, Snoop Dogg being on courtside and you're like, dang, like, that's crazy. You even saw Jerry Seinfeld. You see, you get the the, the, the show of the 90s and the team of the 90s together. So it, it's, it's I've always said that sports and, 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 and music and just pop culture as a whole always fit in right in with each other. Absolutely, they do, you know, and I think, you know, even with what you said, which is accurate, you know, a, a bigger point to drive it home would just be the fact that it's also about the fact that as the times evolved, so did how people were able to highlight that connection, you know, because you can go back to the eighties and the seventies and beyond that, you know, celebrities, whether they're musicians or not, they've always been at sporting events. They've always been fans of sports and vice versa, but it just wasn't highlighted the same. And, you know, nineties in particular really showed the growth in that, right? Like you said, like Seinfeld, the show of the nineties and any other show that could be considered the show of the nineties, we saw those stars, those main guys be aligned with the stars of the sports scene, you know? So it, it's definitely accurate what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. That's for sure. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, nah, Arden, it's, it's dope. It's peace and love, man. It's glad to have you here on the show. I want to um, 
I want to talk about the foresight and, and the foundation of, that you built with the foresight company and things like that. I um I saw a, I saw a, a, your last your last your recent show that just dropped. Yeah. And as, when you started the show, the first ten minutes of your show, one of your co-hosts had a very vulnerable moment mm-hmm. on the show. Yeah. And uh, you know where he, where he explained about you know times about his father and things like that, and. That that read, that rose to me because me and Sebby before the when the show first started we started off the the show talking about mental health mm-hmm. and we talked we talked about creating a safe platform for your loved ones to be able to open up and be vulnerable f- with you um in in order to do that and stuff like that and when I listened to that show yesterday it definitely highlighted um that right there that that, that you've created this vulnerable space for your guys to be comfortable enough to share a, a very deep and personal story like that publicly on your show like talk to me about the the platform you created and, and just how how you how it made you feel that that you that your guys are that comfortable being able to talk about situations like that. oh yeah for sure i mean of course shout out shout out to my to my four side partners and and and, and beyond that brothers you know wills ak salute to every mm-hmm. salute to everybody else on the team my creative partners interns past and present um you know for for wills that particular story that's something he would usually tell us uh like before air like not saying like wills is like the guy that you know delivers the heavy stuff but usually before we record you know we would have that moment to really like catch up like for real for real and tell each other what's going on and uh prior to yesterday's episode you know episode 148 of the foresight podcast we had spent that time really just joking around and dying at jokes that we was making a, the movie Baby Boy. Um, so when the show mm-hmm. began, and of course I do the typical intro and everybody's doing their cue, Wills was like, yo, I, I uh, you know, forgot to tell you guys this because I was just having a good time joking and he, and he told us that, uh, you know, about his situation. And, you know, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel good that, you know, my guys, whether it's on or off air, feel comfortable enough with me to tell me that, to tell our mm-hmm. peers that and then of course it I know it makes them feel good that like folks are receptive to hearing them tell their truth and it's explain what's going on and to know that they're gonna get you know honesty and support in return from us like I think that's what it's about you know I'm pretty sure you guys have seen that uh the viral tweet of you know of the homie Chad Johnson crying on the show he's of yes that he's an I'm an athlete and uh and you know and some of the commentary that it has sparked some of it extremely foolish and downright uh, insensitive, but others uh, very helpful. But um, it's just, you know, that moment for Wills, just like that moment on Chad's show and other things, it shows that men, uh, particularly Black men in particular, like we're able to create safe spaces with each other. We're able to be real and, and very vulnerable. And I'm always happy that my friends are able to tell me what's going on. And I'm happy to be able to support my friends and, to give them that support and that shoulder to, to lean on. So it, it makes me extremely, extremely happy when that is able to, you know, come about. And of course it makes me happy that you guys heard that and it struck a chord in you. So all praises and, and credit to Wills, honestly. Yeah, no, no, for sure, man. He did his thing on that. And I'm glad you brought up the, um, the Ocho single thing, because when you watch the, that entire clip, you see how, you know, non-judgmental the rest of the pan the co-hosts on the panels were they just you know they they they, they weren't there you could just hear it. the conversation was flowing as if chad wasn't crying mm-hmm. you know yeah. what I mean? it was it was just normal and that that was the dope part about that situation so i'm glad you brought it up i wanted to i wanted to um 
Oh, Sebi, I wanted to tell you the story real quick about how we, how me and Art yeah, met. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, 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 it's funny, man. We, it was when I first came up here to New York to cover the uh, the tournament. When I first came to, to the area last, almost a year ago, last March, yeah. actually. And we were covering the, uh, we, uh, the, we were covering two games, one, one at the Barclays and one at the uh, Madison Square Garden. The, the A10 tournament was at the Barclays. It was on. It was me, Arden, and maybe like two other media. Yeah, members. shout out to shout That's out to shout out to my homie Dave. Sorry to cut you off. Shout out to my yeah. homie Dave's joint. Um, shout out to JB. You know, hoop dreams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. And then then all of a sudden after that game, we had to shoot over to Madison Square Garden to cover the the Georgetown St. John's game. Facts. And we 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 ran into each other over there right before the game, eating lunch, chopping it up with some of the other homies that the media members that we were real close with, and stuff like that. Just getting a feel for each other, and just like the. The vibe was there off rip, Sebi. I mean, you just, you could just tell, like, the way we were talking. Like, you could just tell the hustle. We we saw the hustle in each other, being able to go from Barclays to MSG. And ever since then, you know, we just been, you know, chopping up. We we haven't communicated as much, but the, the work is, we, we, we've been studying each other's grind and watching the work. And that that's really how we met for real. It's been it's been good energy on on both ends. Ever Absolutely. That's awesome. That's awesome right there. That's that's actually crazy that you guys met. It, it's it's funny, bro. It's, it's how it's fate, man. You always find somebody at the most you know unopportune places so it's just nice to hear yeah. stories share stories like that no doubt man no doubt no doubt but yeah on, on to like i, w- I want to switch over a little bit to the hip- to hip-hop with you um with you are when it comes to last year's 2020 hip-hop run who would you say had the best run and who was who as far as hip-hop is concerned and who would you say were some honorable honorable mentions? Uh, I mean, I think there's honestly quite a few people who had some extremely great runs last year. I mean, there's there's little baby, you know, there's Freddie Gibbs who I felt like had the album of the year with Alfredo, um, mm-hmm. Benny the Butcher and Griselda, you know, Roddy Rich. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm from New York, so you know, we gotta say Pop Smoke. Uh, Pop right. Smoke had one heck of a uh, run, you know, long live the woo. Yeah. Um, th- those guys, those guys, man, had had their moments and, and really did their thing last year. And you know, even the producers, too, you know, like Hit Boy had a, had a heck of a year last year, yeah. you know, and yeah. Boy Wonder did too. So, those guys, you know, as I think back to last year on the rap side really did their thing. I think on the R&B side, you know, Brent Fias, you know, Giveon, Kalani, <laughs> you know, like they, they really smoked things and, and really set the tone just right, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Nah, no doubt. Yeah, I 100% did. agree with, with, with all of that. Um, from your experiences that, that that's happened um, from, from last year, um, is some, 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 some people would say, I, I would argue that all of those guys that you mentioned, I would, I would argue that the baby as well had had a fantastic year. What are your thoughts on 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 Mr. Kirk? Oh yeah, Kirk. You know, I think Kirk had Kirk definitely had a really good year. You know, when you had you know one of the bigger records of last year, um, it definitely counts for something. You know, with Rockstar. Uh, you know, me and my guys, mm-hmm. we talk about you know uh, you know about the, the baby quite a bit, just because it's like on one hand, yeah his star is rising, but then you look at like the quality of the music and then you looked at what really made him unique to a lot of people over the last few years. And I think there's a consensus that it's not the same. So you, you really got to start looking at him differently because it's like, all right, he settled into the game now. Like he's not this new exciting act anymore that really took things by storm right. uh, two or three years ago when he broke through. 
But um, but there's no denying the fact that, like, again, he had a very good year last year, right? Like, you had the number one song in the country for a while. He had other records that definitely picked up some steam that even if, you know, folks like myself and others may not have really rocked with it as much, you can't deny the success that those records may have had, you know? Right. Absolutely there. Absolutely there for sure. Uh, from from the hip hop side, I, I want to shift gears to uh, the sports side uh, where obviously myself and Mike and yourself are. That's pretty much our forte uh, all day as well. Um, it, it's been a lot of things in the NBA and, and you given you as a New Yorker. Um, can you just give your perspective of, of what's really going on in New York as in terms of the basketball estate? You've got the Nets who obviously have championship or bus aspirations. Um, and, and Mike and I were talking about this is it, New York is just different when the Knicks are relevant, you know, like it, it's, it's a different vibe. Uh, you know, you hear it all across the city. You can hear from one borough to the other, the, the Knicks are relevant and where they're actually really good. Um, it, it's, 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 it's nothing short of greatness. So what's your, what's, give me a New York state of mind of what's really going on. Oh, I mean, it's, I think right now for for both fan bases, it's really a, a happy time right now. You know, they both went through a lot. You know, they went through their struggles. They went through a lot of different changes. And to be in this position where ultimately division was brought to life, where as a Nets fan, you knew this day was going to come where a championship team was going to be built and you got it. You know, when as a Knicks fan, you were hoping that the day that the Knicks can just compete and and have some pride on a on a nightly basis was going to come and it has so it's just a, a, it's just a constant state of happiness and you know and, and I'm not a, a a Knicks or a Nets fan but again I'm somebody that that's from New York I've been here my entire life um obviously a huge sports guy uh, it's a lot of fun when you have competitive New York basketball existing you know there's a reason why you know, even though people may agree with it, we we will always look at New York uh, as like as the mecca, as the place for basketball, because the energy here is just different. You know, the spotlight here is just different. And when that is matched on the professional level, because New York has been cooking up and doing this thing, you know, on the high school level and on the college level. But when it's happening at the highest level that there can be in, 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 the, in the world, in this sport, it's awesome to watch whether you're a fan of either team or not. So. Uh, again, both teams and and both fan bases are just extremely happy with where they with where they are. But neither side is settling. You know, of course, they're gonna want to build and and make sure that they can improve as the season goes on. Absolutely, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, talk to me about uh, this Nets big three. Uh, for first, first, first part of the question is, what was your initial thoughts when you saw that they the Nets traded? for James Harden and, 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 and develop this big three. And my the second part is, well, what have you, like, as far as from what have, from what you've seen so far, especially from Kyrie and, and James together since Katie's been hurt lately, what do you see from that? And do, do you see this being a team that can legitimately win the championship and beat, uh, you know, one of those top teams in the West? Um, I think the first thing, you know, for that question was, yeah, like the Nets had to. You know, you have Kyrie Irving and you have Kevin Durant on your team. Um, you already know the vibes. Like, you got to make a trade. <laughs> like, you got to bring in that third star and make it work, uh, you know, considering, you know, there's just situation. Like, it wasn't one of those things where similar to the Lakers where you have your big two and you could just focus on creating the best step around them. For the Lakers, that worked. You know, for the Clippers, it worked to a much lesser extent. 
But those teams are able to have those two key guys and then could be surrounded by depth. And I, and, I, and I don't say that as a diss towards Kyrie and KD, but it's just the truth, you know? So yeah. trading for Harden was absolutely necessary. And, man, you look at what Harden's been able to do in Brooklyn despite playing with uh, a very talented and improved Kyrie to playing with KD who looked as if he hasn't missed two years and in action, right. uh, I could see why, and I don't know if you guys have seen it. I could see why people are looking at Harden and going, "Ayo, like this dude should be in the MVP race." Absolutely, because Absolutely. he's playing at a he's playing at a level of basketball that I remember. I actually um, told my barber this earlier. Salute to my barber Rob, and I, we always talk basketball all the time. And I was telling him, like, I think Harden is arguably playing the best basketball in his career right now. I would agree. Yep. Yeah, like, I would agree. Like, like <laughs> seriously, crazy, bro. I was saying, dude, it's crazy. The man is the three-time yeah. sport champion. It, yeah, it's, it's like he's playing the best ball of his career, just the efficiency, the, the sense of urgency, and to do it, you know, in that, in that environment where, all right, again, I got a superstar in Kyrie. I got a superstar in KD. I'm in New York City, and yet I'm still that superstar that, you guys knew of me to be back in H-Town. It's like, come on, you got to give that brother credit. But, um, but yeah, everything has come together for the Nets just right. And they looking, you know, they looking exactly like the team I expected to, 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 to make their way to the finals this year, honestly. Yeah. 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 yeah definitely. Definitely. That, that's, that, that, that's what I say. And, and to, and to back to your point, to your original point about the Harden trade, it's, it's funny because at first, you know, we, we looked at it as Harden being a luxury. But when you look at it throughout the season, you know, with the fact that KD has been out for some games, Kyrie has a, has a history of not being able to play a full season. You look at this situation, you're like, man, what was Harden went from a luxury to a necessity? Yeah. Because you, you, needed, you needed these guys because you knew that with Kyrie and KD, their injury history, it was no guarantee that they were going to be he- healthy for those 72 games. Exactly. So and both, both and that's why they had to do it. And that's what I had to do it. Like, like I was saying, like, you know, the Lakers and, and the Clippers and even like the Nuggets, those teams are able to have their, their main two guys and just focus on depth. Like even the Jazz, right? You have Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, but they're able to create a crazy amount of depth around because that's what their system entails and it works for them. But for the Nets, it's like absolutely not. Not when you know, like you, like you just acknowledged, like Kyrie has his injury problems. KD not only has injury problems, but unfortunately, COVID problems, right, with the testing and all that stuff. So getting Harden was absolutely necessary. And it's funny because, you know, people still try to flip it back to Houston. And there was a point I was saying about Harden and Houston, in which I was encouraging the Rockets to trade Harden. I was doing that wholeheartedly because I'm like, look, he's a tremendous talent. No doubt about it. But as we all know, in the NBA, there's one place you don't want to be, and that's in the middle. You either, you either want to be at the top or you'd rather be at the bottom where you can at least benefit from being in the lottery or you at least competing for the chip. Houston was in the middle, and we saw that. No finals appearances one or two conference finals appearances. You got Harden busting his butt and doing what he does just for y'all to get smoked in five games in the first or second round every year. To the, to the Warriors. Warriors or to the Lakers or even to the Spurs a couple times. 
So it's like, yes, it's fun yeah. having this talent, but why are you guys bruising yourselves for an early departure from the playoffs? And that's why I was encouraging them just to make the trade. And now we can argue or discuss whether or not they got proper value, but I still think they did what they had to do with the trade, and I still think it was the right decision. Yep, agreed. I, I would definitely agree there. Um, just uh, obviously you being a, a ball fan, um, some of the biggest things that's going around the NBA, anything else that's kind of stood out to you, the Utah a top seed in the West, and obviously you've got you know Joel Embiid and, and Ben Simmons, and also with the leadership of Doc Rivers being the catalyst with the Sixers in the East, um, the rise of the Suns in the West, uh, along with Jokic, and MVP candidate, what what else has really stood out to you? Oh man, I I think a couple of things. Um, first, uh, I I got to give it up to the rookie class. Uh, I thought coming in that mm. they would just be cool. I didn't really see them being like potential stars, but I thought they would contribute and, and be and be okay. But boy, I, I was wrong about that. Um, they really been cooking up. They really been doing their thing, and. I was right about LaMelo Ball. I was telling people for years that LaMelo Ball was going to cause havoc in the NBA. And I even said confidently that he should have been the number one pick. I remember saying that, like, he should be the number one pick. Like, Minnesota, take him. He could play both positions. The size, the playmaking, you can make it work. And that's not to disrespect Anthony Edwards, who's also having a good rookie year. But what you're seeing from LaMelo is just different. Like that's mm-hmm. transcend uh that's transcendent talent. Right. And you know, with another note that I said this morning when I was talking to my barber, I feel like the MVP race is the most wide open I've seen it in a in a very long time. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think there really is that clear cut MVP candidate, that guy that's running away. And I think that's mm. because the players themselves have now reshaped what the MVP race is. I think a lot of times the MVP race has always been dictated by narratives, right? Oh, if somebody's playing with another big star, two stars, they can't be considered. Or, you know, they playing in this conference, they can't be considered. And now we're at a point where the MVP race this year will be strictly determined by who's just hooping like the MVP. And I think that's why, right, even if folks look at Brooklyn, oh, you know, you can't name somebody from Brooklyn in the MVP race. Oh, please. Yes, you can. Yeah. <laughs> like Harden is in there. A healthy Katie is in there. Um, again, with the Lakers, when the Lakers are playing at their best, LeBron and AD have to be there. Right. I, and it's in this MVP race is so crazy that, hey, and I'll say right now, if the Knicks keep on doing what they're doing, you're gonna see some Randall for MVP votes. Right. Honestly, right. if the Knicks keep doing what they're doing and they get better and better in this wide open race where nobody has really ran away with it and narrative hasn't really shaped it, I can see Julius Randall getting some MVP love. Now, do I expect him to win or, or will I act like he's a serious candidate? Absolutely not. I'm just saying with how wide open the race is. And the fact that somehow, some way, media and fans will still try to incorporate some narrative. Who's going to have a better narrative for them than Julius Randle in New York if he's continuing to carry the Knicks towards improvement and relevancy for the right reasons? 
Right. Absolutely mm-hmm. there for sure. Uh, one of the big thing, biggest things this year that's kind of stood out to me in today's game where I think it's it's the greatest era for guards and, 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 and wings. You've got Dame, Steph, Kyrie. Yeah. You've got uh, Wall, but the wings. You, you talk about, you know, Tatum. You talk about uh, uh, LeBron James, Kevin Durant. The list goes on. It, it seems to me that bigs are, are, are not extent anymore. You've got Embiid and you also have Jokic. They're, they're reinventing what the, the center position is. Obviously, the modern day version, but it's good to know that the bigs are, are still existing. What, what's your t- thoughts on that? Those two guys obviously being talked about in the MVP race. Oh, uh, it's well, it's well deserved. You know, if the Nuggets had a much better start, um, honestly, the Joker would be my MVP. Uh, you know, if the Nuggets had a better start, the Joker would be my MVP. But um, but I think they also represent what has honestly been like a a longer expansion of the big man game, right? Like we can even go back to when they got to the class of Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, and Rasheed Wallace. Like those guys were that first group that in recent years, well, in recent decades, excuse me, that was just showing us like, hey, big men are about to change. Like we're going to be able to play on the perimeter. We're going to be able to, you know, uh, shoot. We're going to be able to play in space. We're going to be able to handle the ball. And what we're seeing now is just guys getting accustomed to that and embracing that because, again, the NBA is becoming – a lot more athletic, it's becoming a lot more skilled, and the big man has to keep up. Like, you know, not everything has to be uh, predicated to a small ball, you know? Right, absolutely. That's what... Yeah. Uh, Mike? Yeah, no, nah, definitely, man. Um, Man, what we've seen in the NBA, um, it's been, it's been a lot going on. It's been a lot going on, man. I mean, especially as far as the first half of the season. But this second, this second push, like I was telling Sebi earlier in the show, this second push for the season should be, should be very, 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 very interesting. Um, you want to, uh, you want to play that game? Absolutely. Play, this play, is our this favorite time, <laughs> favorite, favorite part, favorite part of our, our show uh, here, Arden, where uh, every guest we we like to do a a, a little game with them to kind of get into the personal life. Um, of what they do to kind of get off of whether that be music or sports um, for you. Um, it's, okay. it's pretty easy. It's it's a two-part segment of the game. We play this or that. And then there's also a segment where we play overrated and underrated. We just ask you scenario-like questions. And I love that your, game. Get your answers on them. So, Mike, I'm going to let you lead off. Sure. Tupac or Biggie? Oh, That's man, tough. freak. That's tough because it's a it's a matter of what exactly, but I guess if we're talking strictly music, Biggie. Yeah, strictly yeah, strictly music. Yes, yeah, strictly music, uh, Biggie. Inspiration wise, creatively, Tupac. Mm, all interesting. I I go I differ with that. I I think music, Pac. Um, but I think commercially wise, I think Biggie. Yeah, I, I would roll with Biggie. I was always a Biggie guy. I mean, Tupac was Tupac was dope, but Biggie was always my guy. Yeah, Tupac is like one of my biggest creative inspirations. But Biggie, I gotta go with Biggie when it comes to the music. And besides, Biggie's my birthday tone. We share the same birthday. Oh, wow, okay. that's interesting. How about this, uh, Leo or um, Whitney? Oh, I gotta go Whitney. But I love Aaliyah, But I gotta go Whitney. Yeah, that's okay. I'm Whitney too. I'm going old school. Good. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna say, uh, let's go. Um, 
Hmm. Let's see. Meek Mill or Drake? Oh, come on, Drake. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's easy. That, that'd be Drake for me. That'd be Drake. Oh, come on, man. I'm a Meek guy. That's my favorite rapper. I'm a Meek guy. Hey, you got to talk to your boy and get a, and get his swagger back. <laughs> He's got to drop an album and set all this noise out of social media, man. He's got to drop an album. Every time he drops music, he shut everybody up. And I love that, but he has to get back to that, man. He's he, he going too crazy, yeah, bro. He's, he's getting caught up in, in, in some rap mess with, with 6 9 But nevertheless, let's continue here. Uh, Rick Ross or Lil Wayne? Oh, I got to go with Wayne, but that's a close one, too. That's good. That's close. I gotta go. With, I gotta go with Wayne, but you know anybody going with Rose, I can't blame him. But I gotta go with Weezy. Yeah, that, that's a good one. I, personally, for me, Wayne is top ten all time. But that, that's my list. But that that's accurate. <laughs> Rose, yeah, it's accurate. That is accurate. But me, I just Rose's ear for production is unmatched. I just, I love Ross. I love Rose's uh his beat beat selection. That yeah. is that is true. I mean, fewer people uh, pick better beats than Ross. Yeah. Fewer yeah. fewer people have better vivid wordplay than Ross. Yeah, very true. Very true. Uh let's let's go um hmm. how about overall how about overall genre? Hip hop or R and B? Oh R and B. I would say the same R and B. I am an R and B guy. I love rap, but yeah. people that like know me for real, for real, they know uh, Arden gives it up for the R and B. It does something it to does. the soul. It does, it does. Don't get me it wrong. does bro. R and B is just the creativity, the innovation of it, that's what I like. Yeah, it does something to the soul. I'm going go, I'm go, I'm go with R&B, too. It does something to the soul. Good call, fellas. <laughs> Definitely, oh. yeah, for sure. Uh, let, let's switch it up here to overrated and underrated here. Um, baby. Mm. The baby? Love baby? Oh, little baby. Oh, oh damn. Uh, I'm going to go underrated. I don't think he's overrated at all. He's, he's underrated. I would agree. Uh, I would say he's rated, rated properly because he gets a lot of he gets a lot of love. He was popping last. Really he does. Popular. I would. I would. I would do that too. But I you know I like to. You know I want to. I like to stick to the game. <laughs> if I if I got to make a choice, you know. But uh, I agree. But yeah, I go underrated. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Overrated. Underrated. Hmm. or the ruler. Underrated. For real, for real. And not just because I recently interviewed him, too. <laughs> um, it, shouts out, it shouts out to you for that piece on the billboard, too. That's dope. Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Uh, love is love. Shout out to everybody that's checked it out and, and uh, has reached out to me. Um, but, yeah, I think Drake. I think Draco is de- very underrated. Like, bro's been really putting in a lot of work in recent years, and he's done a lot of dope stuff despite, you know, battling charges and being locked up for most of that time. So, the fact that he's out and he got that Drake record and the tape is in general is hard. Yeah, the, the, it's about to be a crazy year for Draco. Salute to him. Mm. Let's let's go back to this or that. Um, West Coast music or East Coast music? Uh, got to go East Coast music. Mm. Mm. East Coast the, the, music for uh, sure. New York uh, bias there a little bit, right? <laughs> uh, New, New York, yeah, but you know, it's also like Philly. Right. You know, again, like Philly makes really dope music, the DMV, right. you know, and, and uh, yeah. certain parts of the South are still considered East Coast, depending on where they are up North. Right. So, 
got to go to Carolinas, got to go VA and, and all that stuff. So I got, mm-hmm. I got, I got to go, you know, East coast. Cause we have that variety. Interesting. Produ- I'm gonna go producer. Let's, let's, let's go producer. Um, Harry fraud. Mm. Uh, underrated, or overrated. Yeah. Uh, underrated. Mm. Okay. Harry, Harry's has some really, really fire records, man. One of my favorites, dog. Him and the Alchemist. Mm-hmm. Alchemist Amazing. is Alchemist is Alchemist is not underrated or overrated. He's just like a goat, man. <laughs> <laughs> For real, man. Yeah, he's just a goat. Let's bro. uh, let's go ahead and, and switch this to to a, a sports segment here. Um, underrated or overrated, Carl Anthony Towns. Mm. Uh, underrated. Mm. I think I think he is who he is. He's a you know. A really, really solid all-star caliber player, but um, he's not a franchise—he's not a franchise savior. He's not a game changer. I, I wouldn't want him on my team as one of my key guys to win, but I do respect him for being a, a very, very solid uh, franchise play uh, all-star. You know what I mean? A, a franchise cornerstone. I think there's a difference between franchise saviors and franchise cornerstones. Mm-hmm. Do, 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 uh, before I ask my ask my question, do you see him potentially going going to the Knicks? Uh not really, not really. You know, I mean, it could happen. Just depends on uh, on the on the trade offer and what they're looking at. But um, yeah, I I don't. It's funny enough. I haven't really thought much about Carl outside of show. Yeah, I don't. I don't think of. I don't think. <laughs> I think more Boston. Obviously, I'm a little bit biased, but I, I I wouldn't see him in New York. I can't see him in New York. I think New York is looking for a guy that pops. But, uh, they're waiting for that guy. But uh, mm-hmm. remains, that remains to to be seen um, there for sure. Um, from what we know now, overrated or underrated, um, Giannis. Mm. Uh, I'll go overrated. Yeah. Which is insane, but I, I guess <laughs> it's insane to say that. But I mean, I, I I would go overrated just from the standpoint of the the postseason success, the postseason lack of success, right? and yeah, the yeah the lack of postseason success. Thank you, and then just still seeing him not unlock certain parts of his game yet from a mental standpoint. I think that's like next level stuff, right? I think that's the sort of stuff that we saw from like LeBron and like a lot of the other greats who won MVP awards. Was of course we we know what you can do physically and how much you can dominate the game, but it 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 it, it changes a whole lot once opposing teams realize the fact that holy crap, this dude can beat us with his mind. So I think. Again, it's insane to say until he gets some more postseason success and until his game really expands beyond his physical dominance, I, I gotta go uh, overrated. But I do feel a little bad for saying that. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I, I would I would go overrated as well. But do you, like, do you, my my thing is this with Giannis? Do you feel like it's it's uh, it's a, a bit of complacency because of the fact that? He has an excuse in the media of, oh, um, they need to get more help around him, and the focus is all on that instead of the focus on upping his game and and putting the and making sure that he's in the best position and all his his skill set is at an all time high. Do you feel like once the narrative switches to that instead of getting him the most help, do you feel like that's when it'll finally click for him? Uh, 
I can see I can see how you feel about that, but um I also think Giannis gotta understand like now is really the time to do so. You know, like you you coming off of back to back disappointing finishes to your postseason and years where you won the MVP. And time does start going fast. You know, yeah, you this guy mm-hmm. in, in your mid twenties that's in your prime and you're putting up this production and you're in a team that's good enough to win the regular season, but things really do change when all of a sudden another two years go by and another two years go by. And it's the sort of thing for Giannis where it's like, Hey, you got to really take your game to the next level, like right here, right now. So Mm -hmm. for his sake, it would be a matter of him realizing it. Then the media collectively jumping on his back. Yeah. Good point. The uh, overrated or underrated? Um, Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, he's underrated. Ty, Ty, Ty is really, really dope. I feel like at any other year, and with a slight chance, with a slight change in circumstances, I think Ty will be going crazier in his rookie year, and would be rookie of the year. But um, but he's right now he's a part of a really talented and and uh surprising rookie class. But now nah, Ty is different. Sacramento got themselves a really, really good one. I'm happy for Deion, uh, for De'Aaron Fox to have a teammate like that finally. And um, yeah, they're just gonna continue doing what they're gonna do. But yeah, Ty has been Ty has been yes. playing really, really good ball yeah. as a rookie. And, and his is is very underrated as well. I mean, it's just, if you if you if you guys ever want to check out a, a dope interview, young guy who's really confident in, in himself. Listen to Tyrese Halliburton on the JJ Reddick podcast or any one of those. I like, I like, you, I like. You'll, you'll enjoy his personality. He's, 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 he's a dope he's really nice. I like his moxie a lot. Um, the, the shot yeah. is, has, needs to get improved, although it goes in. But I, I, I like, I like what he stands for. But how about this as an overrated and underrated? Um, his but his budding teammate, Buddy Hill. Mm. I will go underrated. I'll go underrated just because I think a lot of people focus on his age too much. Like he's like some old man, but, uh, <laughs> but I like buddy, buddy has really turned. Himself Here's into a key very stat. Solid uh, first player. guy, um, actually the, the quickest guy in 350 games to get to shoot a thousand and a thousand makes as in terms of three point shots. So he's quicker than Steph, Reggie, Ray Allen and everybody. So, you got to be good for it to be that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Buddy can hoop. Buddy can hoop. It just took a little time, but he can hoop. And I think, you know, people let certain things get in the way of them, um, you know, fairly judging players. But Buddy's in a really good position where he's been finding his spot in the league. He's had his moments where he's stepping up and doing his thing. And he's in a really, really good position to just continue improving and thriving as a player. So, I'm a I'm a Buddy Hill fan. You know, I don't see why people be very yeah, critical yeah, of him for sure. from time to time. Um, it, this is huh. this has been great. This has been great. Way way over our limit, Mike. <laughs> Forty three minutes. Um, but it, it was a great pleasure oh, to yeah, have you on, Harden. Um, definitely enlighten us with what you do as in terms of um just educating us in our in, in the music game and also um giving your perspective and your insights on, on the sports game as well. Um so it's been a pleasure to have you on and definitely gotta have you on as a returning guest as well. 
Absolutely. Seriously, salute to you guys. Salute to your platform. Um, I, I really enjoyed myself tonight. I enjoyed the dialogue. I enjoyed being able to connect with my fellow creatives and people in this game of ours that is media. And again, I, I've seen your stuff multiple times through Mike, and I've enjoyed what I've seen. And I enjoy the consistency that you guys have and not only just working on your craft and releasing it timely, but also just consistently growing. And mm-hmm. as long as you're doing that, that's really the, the best thing that you can do, you know, to give yourself a shot because everybody and their mother's picking up a mic that now to say that they can record a podcast <laughs> and everybody's picking up. Yeah. You know, everybody, yep. everybody's picking up their laptop talking about their writers now. So, you know, for us doing what we're doing and being consistent with it, our consistency is literally a lifeline. Absolutely, so there for sure. And folks, if you guys would want to connect with Arden, um, he'll go ahead and and, and distribute those uh, links and platforms. We'll put them in the, the the discussion box below. But Arden, feel free to definitely uh, chime in and let everyone know where we can find you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely find me on Twitter. Um, at Arden Sports Talk, you know, A-R-D-E-N Sports Talk. You can also type in Drake's Dance Coach and you'll find me. Um, on Instagram, on Instagram, follow Foresight. Seriously, follow my baby, follow my company, at the Foresight Company. Um, so T-H-E, Foresight and letter form. So F-O-U-R, side company will pop up. And again, just continue, you know, looking out for me, man. I'm constantly cooking up. I'm constantly improving. And of course, I'm constantly connecting with my people, man. And you guys are part of that group. That's my people. So let's Absolutely. continue winning. A pleasure to have you on. Uh, it's, it's, been, it's been special. But when we come back, we'll go ahead. Mike and I will wrap things up with College Hoops um, as March Madness looms in front of us. The Sebi Podcast Radio Show live inside our studios here in WNSC. back here on the Seven Podcast Radio Show, our third and final segment. Um, very interesting, Mike. Uh, insights on, on Arden, the, the power of sports and pop culture and his dynamic. A great guy. Great call on that one. Very, very, very appreciate you, brother. He's a very dope person in general, along just a great businessman and how he does things. And yeah, in this media world, you need people like like-minded individuals that are ready to take it to the next level. And that's a good brother right there. So hats off to you for, you know, allowing me to make that happen. <laughs> hey, it's crazy, but you're the guy that, that makes it happen, man. I'm just the, the guy that's just in the background. But um, much love and much appreciation there um, for that there for sure. Um, we switch gears to college hoops. Obviously, the biggest game thus far in this week, top five matchup, Illinois versus Michigan and Ann Arbor. And um, at the end of the game, what was actually funny is if you if you look at the theater of the fighting Illini for, for Illinois, it says hashtag, do we finally have your attention now? And boy, <laughs> they, they put on a statement. I mean, Mike, I, I almost didn't believe what I saw. Without their best scorer, Ayo Dusamu, who's going to be a lottery pick, the, the guy is special. Without him, 
I they got had guys who picked up the slack, whether it was Coffee Cockburn, or if it was Fraser, or whether it mm. was uh, Corbello. I mean, this Illinois team shows you that it's not just AO, but it's 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 a collective unit, and they put on a show in Ann Arbor in Michigan. And, and at, at the end of the game, they were right for 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 showing that you know what does the national national stage do you do we have your attention now number four illinois topples i mean topples mike michigan and their home building and now don't look out now but illinois is the top of the big 10 and looking like maybe that top seed that number one seed and getting on that one line yeah no that that, that was impressive and what made it more impressive was on the road yeah. doing that on the road in Michigan where Michigan has played very good I mean great yeah, basketball they've been blowing teams oh, out like right oh dominating them and and for collectively and you know it's it's not only what they were doing. we we saw we saw what, what what happened with Trent Frazier and and Cabello the guard play was sensational uh, on that side but defensively they were special they allowed only one player outside one player on that Michigan team to, to to get in double figures. Outside of that, nobody else. I mean, just the, the defensive effort from this team, along with what they did offensively, was, was 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 very impressive, especially in the first half. This Illinois team has been consistently special all season, getting big wins. But this was probably the biggest win for them all season long. And hats off to Illinois because they they should have everybody's attention now because this was a statement victory uh, against Michigan, a very good Michigan team. So. Now, I expect to see Illinois down the line in the long haul, and this will give them the confidence going into the conference championship. Absolutely there for sure. And probably bigger sights, Mike, as well. Probably their bigger sights is having a great conference championship, although they may slip up. The Big Ten is very strong this year. But if they can at least get to the semis, I think they should be a Sherlock for that one line. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and it could happen, depending on how they finish the season out, depending on how they, how they do in the conference tournament. It, it definitely could could potentially happen, but Illinois they 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 have the country's attention. Everybody that's tuned in and locked in on college basketball, they know about Illinois right yeah, now. Yeah, they finally know about Illinois now for sure. Um, Iowa, huge win at uh, at Ohio State, huge huge win. Um, and Iowa team that started off red hot. We know about Luca Garza, Weisskamp, and then all the shooters that they have about them, but rather pedestrian, kind of shaky here and there. Um, but huge huge win against ohio state um an ohio state team that's that's been very good with ej liddell and some of those other key players that they have there um so i earning that win on the road again mike it's harder to win and especially when you can win in probably the toughest conference in america that bodes well for you yeah no for sure and uh you know i would need it Another one of those big wins because they had they haven't been looking as impressive consistently throughout the season, especially some losing losing how they've lost to some of the tough competition throughout this year. But uh, you know, Luca Luca Garza got some consistent help from guys like you know Joe Weiskamp, who was who was knocking the shots down and things like that. But uh, yeah, I, I was impressed to see Luca Garza and the team get it done. Um, Ohio State. Uh, they were they were they were a physical team, but they weren't they weren't ready for this this type of matchup. Liddell didn't have his best game. Uh, they, they were used to seeing from him, but um, that's off to Iowa, man. That defensive pressure will really, really put it on. Yeah. And the Iowa team that sometimes they can get lost on defense. They're so potent on offense that they they, they kind of just get relaxed on defense. But they made it a commitment in that game to buckle down on the defensive end, um, which was their um statement there. Villanova back to back, 
my biggest championships. Um, they wrapped that up today, beating up number 18 Creighton. So they are your regular season champions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Villanova, Villanova handled business. And took care of it. They, uh, they, and they, and Sebi, it wasn't even like one of those situations where they, you know, it was a close game. They, they, they took care of business early. They went up almost 20 points at halftime. And throughout the first half, it was just a dominant performance from the collective uh, total team effort. And uh, th- that's what you expect to see from a Jay Wright led team from from this Villanova team. I mean, this guy, this guy Moore was on fire. Uh Robinson Earl has been playing good basketball. Gillespie wasn't shooting very well. He barely played. He didn't have any minute as much minutes uh, later on. But at the same time, the, those guys that they 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 hung they hung the battle for him and they handled business while he was out. But uh this uh this Villanova team, we'll we'll see how they finish the season. But it was a great one against Creighton, because Creighton was coming, Sebby. So they they definitely uh, locked in for this team and uh, and got the job done. Yes. Most people would want to see another rematch in the conference title game between Creighton and Villanova. We'd be very excited to see if we could get that matchup. A lot of things in the Big 12 that haven't been decided yet, but this might be a good thing for the Baylor Bears, Mike, being battle-tested. Obviously, they lost to Kansas, COVID issues with a lot of their players coming back, Um, and it's a tough place to play despite how bad of a year uh, Kansas have had. It's still... It's still a blue bud. It's still Kansas. Um, and Marcus Garrett and those guys really made a statement and McCormick inside as well um, to, to get that win and on senior day. But they, they struggled against uh, West Virginia, but found a way late. Found guys way. like Jared yep. Butler, Davion Mitchell, they found a way in overtime to make that happen. So after going, what, 19-0, this might be a good thing for Baylor heading into the tournament being battle-tested. You would you definitely want to be battle tested and getting you know getting getting your second loss of the season against a very tough Kansas team who's been playing very well, uh, especially as of recently. It's not you know a terrible feat. I mean, as dominant as you've been all year, you you expected this team to have one of those games where they looked like a shell of themselves, and that's that's what you saw against Kansas. Kansas pretty put a hat on them. They got physical down low. They really dominated the paint, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, and they got the job done. These guys, uh, there was a great game against Kansas. This, this kid, uh, David McCormack. I mean, he was he was he was making plays in the paint against them, and uh, and, and really dominated that game. But Baylor, like you said, went against West Virginia, another tough competition on the road, and they handled business. They 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 they, they avenged the loss, and they took care of them. that kid. Jerry Butler is a special man. I mean, he was knocking down shots. Yeah. He was uh, he was willing that team, especially uh, late in the first half and late in the second half. He was willing that team to make sure that nah, we cannot go on a two-game slid. We got to keep our foot on the gas pedal, and that's what you saw. So I, I, I'm actually excited for Baylor because that game against Kansas may have propelled them and gave them that boost that they needed to get over the hump against West Virginia. And absolutely, absolutely. There for being not only battle tested but mentally tough, man. Sometimes basketball is eighty percent skill and is eighty percent a mental game and twenty percent skill. And you just yeah. they, they had that they 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 were prepared for that coming off of that Kansas game on the road and then they're going again to West Virginia. You want to talk about tough back to back road games that you got to go to in different buildings? Uh, that's as tough as it gets. But um, you know they 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 they, they passed that test and and we'll see what happens now into the Big Twelve tournament, the Big Twelve tournament where nothing's guaranteed because Oklahoma is there. Oklahoma State is starting to round into form. Texas Tech, Texas is still there. So a lot of things to be done in the Big 12 for, for sure. And speaking of the Big 12, Mike, there's great players in college football, college basketball, Jalen Suggs to 
you know, some of the brightest stars in, in college basketball. And then there's just Cade Cunningham. I mean, the, the guy is just, is just <laughs> special. I mean, <laughs> with the two games that he put on in Norman, Oklahoma against the Sooners, I mean, if he hasn't wrapped up as the overwhelming number one overall pick, I don't know who is. But this kid is special. And not only does he have, you know, promise in, in the pro game, Mike, but he has elite stardom potential in the pro game. Oh, yeah, he definitely does. And and, and the kid is he's he's a, he's not only a special player, but mentally he's a. Uh, He's pretty. He's pretty sharp, and uh, I like his approach to the game and how he carries himself. Brother, brother definitely has high character on that court, and uh, and a, a certain calmness, a certain stillness to him that allows him to to propel and advance to the to his highest level. But Kate Cunningham, uh, I love what I saw him. Like you said, not, not only against uh, Oklahoma, both games. I mean, the first game we were talking about the forty point game, but that that second game when it was very close and uh, Oklahoma really uh, down the stretch were trying to trying to claw their way and, and fight for it. Kate Cunningham didn't score a lot of points, but he made plays down the stretch that really uh, decided the game and helped get his teammates involved and stuff like that. So especially knocking down some clutch free throws in the end in order to really seal the game. So I love what I'm seeing from Oklahoma State, especially the last few games or so. They've, they've found a way to close tight ball games against Oklahoma, also against Texas Tech. This team is uh, rounding into form. And when you have a player like Kate Cunningham going into um, – Going into you know tournament play and things like that down the stretch against the tough teams, you always have a shot. They have a huge game tomorrow night against Baylor. That's gonna that's gonna be a big one. I'm I'm interested to see what Kay Cunningham looks like against Jared Butler and his been his uh, hungry, motivated. Baylor. Not only that, Mike, uh, Kate Cunningham, with 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 the game plan, knowing that it's you with the game plan yeah. and and being able to be. You know, guarded by two elite wing defenders, Butler and also Mitchell. Like it, it's gonna be pressure. It's gonna be a lot of pressure on him. We'll see what it is when when it's fun when you're the guy, but when it's it's fun when knowing going into the game where the game plan is surrounded around you. Is he does he have that maturity level to become a playmaker? That's gonna be interesting because I can guarantee you Baylor will force him to be a playmaker and probably not a play a game changer. But, but I've got my eyes on Oklahoma Oklahoma State, Mike, because this is a team, they're going to get an at-large bid, at large bid, and they've got wins over Kansas, Texas Tech, Texas. They've got wins over uh, uh, um, Oklahoma twice already. They haven't beaten Baylor yet. But those are quality teams. So uh, for an at-large team, you want to talk about, a, you know, a dark horse that can kind of burst somebody's bubble. I don't know if you want Oklahoma State in your quadrant or in your bracket. And then, of course, they've got a guy named Cade Cunningham late in games that can just go get his. Uh, that's a theme. That's a team right there. Uh, selection Sunday, Mike, whatever bracket that they're in, I wouldn't want to be in that bracket. No, you definitely don't. You know, like you say, when you have, when you have a guy like Cunningham who could just take over a yeah. game. That's the special part about it, and uh, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. But they, they, like, like I said, they have two tough games coming up next, back to back against uh, Baylor tomorrow, and then against West Virginia on Saturday. So there's a those some big games. We're gonna see the best. We should see the some high level basketball from Cade and uh, and some of these other top players. Yeah. Um, some other big teams, Alabama. We've been talking about them all year. Arkansas as well. They put a hat on South Carolina the other day, um, just putting up 100 points on them. Uh, they're, those two teams right there are probably the creme of the creme in 
the SEC. Alabama, they live by the three and they die by the three. That's the type of team that they are. But if they get hot, and we know March Madness is all about guard play, uh, look out. Yeah, no, definitely. Alabama's been a, a a scary good team, especially as of late. You know, with, with what they what they bring to the table and stuff like that. This is a this is a, a fun team to watch on both sides of the ball, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm intrigued, man. This this Alabama's team is gonna be scary. They're gonna be a team down the stretch to worry about. I I, I just I just love watching them play because they they have a a, a, a wittiness right. to them. Absolutely, there for sure. We talked about Oklahoma State. We talked about maybe even Oklahoma's dark horses. Purdue, Mike, another team uh, that I, I, I sense as another dark horse team. And don't look now. It's March. You can never count out Tom Izzo's team in Michigan State. In fact, Mike, they just beat two top five teams at their building and East Lansing in Michigan State. So if for some reason, as bad of a year that the Spartans have had, You've got Tom Izzo, and when it's March, he just finds a way to motivate these guys. I don't know what he says, what he tells them, what type of frosted flakes he has them eating for breakfast, but come March, these guys are always motivated, and you can never count the Spartans out. Any other dark horses that we should be looking out for? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Michigan State and teams like that and, um, you know, um, uh Baylor, things like that, but we say Kansas. We are we already say we already say Kansas. Kansas is one of those teams I'm definitely looking out for. I mean, we're they're in the they're in one of the toughest conferences in the in in basketball, probably the most competitive conference this year in college basketball in the Big Twelve. But they they've been overshadowed by some teams. Obviously, you have Cade and Oklahoma State. West Virginia's been playing good ball. Baylor has been playing dominant ball. But Kansas is one of those strange, weird teams that can. Uh, they, they make some things straight. Texas is a, to yep. all about matchups, and and Kansas and Texas are two scary teams, depending on who they were to go against. Yep, absolutely, there for sure. A lot of things to to look out for. We're ready for these Big East tournaments, Big Twelve tournaments, Big Ten tournament, SEC tournament, <laughs> Mountain West tournaments, all, all all the tournament uh, championship leading up to Selection Sunday to March Madness. There for sure, Mike. Your closing remarks. Yes, I, I have a couple of closing marks. Uh, we, we have the the All Star Game going on this week, but I, one of the biggest conversations I want to have uh, to everybody, if anybody is interested in podcasts and you and you like sports podcasts, uh, tune into the Right Time with Bamani Jones. He recently had an episode with Isaiah Thomas where they talked about the movie Judas and the Black Messiah, and he broke Isaiah Thomas, uh, OG Isaiah Thomas from the Detroit Pistons, talked about growing up in Chicago, Illinois, growing uh, being being present for the Black Panther Party and everything Fred Hampton and, and the guys had going on, being in that room, being in that room that the the the, the Panthers served breakfast to and things like that, his mother working for the board and things of that nature. But the information that he was given and the jewels that he was dropping, the knowledge that he was breaking down about, you know, uh, our people and things like that, our history, that's some vital information that, that was needed. And um, Bomani Jones did a great job having him on. And I, I credit Isaiah Thomas for speaking a lot of truth. And uh, so anybody that... If you need a podcast this week to listen to or anything like that, go to The Right Time with Bomani Jones and he and go to his recent episode with Isaiah Thomas. Dope episode. Absolutely. Absolutely there for sure. That was Mike's closing remarks for tonight there for sure. And as we wind down, another great episode. I'm pretty sure we liked it as well. Um, tune in with us next time. Hey, everyone, we're excited just as much as you guys tonight if you enjoyed this show and, frankly, even some of our other episodes as well. 
If you want to show your appreciation for the show, ensure that you leave us a rating and a review in our iTunes and Spotify. And remember, you can stay locked in here and connected. SebiPodcast.info link for the latest news, articles, interviews, and much more. And remember, wherever you're listening on air or online, the Sebi Podcast is wherever you go.